Are you there, Dr. Laura? Mm-hmm. Okay, so hold on for just a second, and here we go. Okay. Dr. Laura Chamberlain is founder of Nuclear Free Illinois, which can be found on Facebook at Nuclear Free Illinois. An environmental and progressive activist for 30 years, she's been active in the nuclear issues, helping the Nuclear Energy Information Services, NEIS.org, host rallies, forums, and other forms of activism around the nuclear issue in Illinois. She founded Nuclear Free Illinois after Fukushima to help organize more activists across Illinois and host... She founded Nuclear Free Illinois after Fukushima to help organize more activists across Illinois. She hosts conference calls so that the people can stay connected and works in concert with NEIS in a mutually supportive way. Dr. Laura, welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat. Hello. Hi. I'm very, very happy to be here. So when did you become active on nuclear issues and what moved you to do so? It's hard to remember. I've been an environmental activist for about 30 years. Um, so somewhere along the way, <laughs> I discovered that the, the nuclear issue was really important. I'm a family physician, so the incredible rise in cancers in America has been very intriguing for me for the past 15 years. And um, and that's all age cancers, by the way. And um, so I think that that was probably what got me really, really uh you know, looking at this issue really closely was that. But I was an environmental uh, activist for a long time, saved the wildlife, saved the rainforests, you know. So I th- it's a, it was a progression of events. And forgive me if I can't remember the exact year. <laughs> it's okay. You're based in Chicago, which yeah. is my old hometown. But in growing up there, I had no nuclear awareness other than the fact that the first self-sustaining nuclear reaction occurred under the deserted grandstand at the University of Chicago Stagg Field. This was part of the Manhattan Project. How bad is the nuclear situation in Chicago, in the state of Illinois, and perhaps around the Great Lakes, especially Lake Michigan? Yes, it's really, really bad. And Chicago is really sorry for hosting the first nuclear reaction. We really... If I was there, I would have tried to stop that. <laughs> All of that mess is buried out in a uh, a field out in Palos Hills here and with a little plaque saying, please don't dig. It's amazing. But um, anyways, that's, that's the way that they're protecting people from radioactivity. They put a little plaque and says, please yeah, don't yeah. dig here. That, uh, that whole pile from the first nuclear reaction was is buried out in a, a public park. <laughs> so, and a little plaque. Yep, yep, that is. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're sorry about that one too. And um, so, how how many nuclear reactors are there yeah. in Illinois? I understand it is the most nuclear intense state that we've got. That is that is exactly right. And Chicago is the most nuclearized town in the city in the country. What, do you, are, mean, what do you mean by that? Most nuclearized. We're, we're surrounded by a ring of fire, and that is nine nuclear power plants within 26 to 140 miles from uh, Chicago, and we're almost completely surrounded because there are plants on the other side of Lake Michigan, in on the Michigan side of Lake Michigan, that are about 80 miles away, and so we are in the center of uh, what we call the Ring of Fire. And so if um, Illinois was a country, we would be the fifth uh, most nuclearized uh, country in the world. So we are it. We're ground zero for the nuclear issue in uh, the U.S., and we have um, 
so many problems with so many of our plants, but we also have four Mark 1s in Illinois. Are they in no. operation right now or have they yeah. been shut down? No, they're in operation. Quad Cities has two of them and Dresden has two of them. Dresden is in Morris, Illinois and Quad City is in Cordova, Illinois. So give people a sense who aren't in front of a map of exactly how far away those are from Chicago. Right. They're, um, Dresden is only 44 miles away and Quad City is 142 miles away. So well within the 50-mile uh, uh, evacuation radius that was suggested at Fukushima. Yes, and they were considering uh, evacuating Tokyo um, during the Fukushima crisis, and still may have to if there's anything if anything goes wrong with those spent fuel rods. And they are 128 miles away from Fukushima. So we are absolutely in the middle of a ring of fire. And the Mark 1s, the GE Mark 1 reactors that uh, Fukushima was the same type, are extremely troubling to all nuclear activists. They were designed poorly. They have a very small containment, and they also have a very, um, they have a small, con uh, a, a very small and tight core containment, and then a very weak uh, cement containment around it. And you saw that when Fukushima blew. Um, if you saw those videos, that was the cement outer structure of uh, a Mark I uh, blowing. And it did exactly what it was designed to do. It was designed to release radioactive gases that would be built up by basically blowing its up. And it did it. And so we have four of those very, very near Chicago. And anything, people kind of think, oh, Fukushima, it was a tsunami. Uh, it really it was the earthquake. The earthquake actually started the crisis. We've been and following then, that very closely as right. information came out. I've been doing the podcast since three months after Fukushima. Okay. So we've so been getting this step by step and, and are okay. aware, but I like the image of the – I don't like it, but it's good to have that image of the reactors blowing in their top. Exactly. So anything, anything that would um, keep the cooling – would bring the cooling system down – at a Mark I, anything that would um, shut down the reactors and bring the cooling system down would uh, cause a situation that could result in a Fukushima-type explosion. And so tornadoes, um, the floods, uh, a, a, whether if the electrical grid came down for solar flares or any other reason. Operator so, error could do it operator too. Operator error, exactly. So really, it, it, the tsunami is really kind of a red herring for people. And so, um, we are feeling very, very vulnerable. They are, uh, getting very old, these plants, these, uh, Mark Ones. They were built in the late 60s and early 70s. And, um, as a plant uh, nuclear plant gets older, then there are far more leaks and far more accidents and near um, near accidents. Right. Well, and there's the embrittlement issue with with the steel. But what I'd like right. to find out from you is what is the local attitude or the local awareness in Chicago and the surrounding suburbs, because there are so many suburbs around there, of their proximity to the nuclear plants and the possible danger that they are in. Right. Well, there's a pretty much media blackout about nuclear issues except for the major catastrophes like Fukushima. So hardly anybody talks about this. And I was just recently at a big event called Vega Mania with a bunch of young people, thousands and thousands of young people, and they had no idea that we, were, we had a ring of fire. They had no idea. 
So we have this uh, really cool map that we give out, you know, with Chicago in the middle and all of these nuclear plants uh, ringing it, and they really had no idea. So this, this is why I started Nuclear Free Illinois. NEIS, Nuclear Energy Information Services, has been around in uh, Chicago for 30 years. And it's uh, kind of a mainstay for nuclear information. But it wasn't really keeping up with the times as far as, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and conference calls and kind of like the, you know, the social media and the, the way people stay in touch now. So that's what I did. I set up Nuclear Free Illinois, and we have regular conference calls, and we're reaching out to small groups by all of these plants. All of these nuclear plants have small um, activist groups around them. And I thought, wow, we really need to connect all these small groups so they feel stronger, right? Well, this is, this is a great model that can be used elsewhere. What are the, the tools that you use for finding these groups and gathering them together? Right. Well, sometimes we actually have events near the plants and see who comes. Okay, that's one way. <laughs> uh, what, sort, what sort of events have you been having? Uh, yeah, about Fukushima, about nuclear issues. Um, one of the uh, – Byron, which is uh, fairly close to uh, Chicago, uh, it's at 69 miles away. That was right – they had the Illinois Renewable Energy Fair right in the shadow of Byron, uh, and it was in the midsummer. So I went there and I tabled there, and I you know, found a lot of uh, people in the neighborhood that were really concerned about Byron. So once it, you find people who are concerned, what's your next step? Talk us through the process of how you bring in activists from the grassroots into this organization that you have that's working with other organizations. Right. So the first thing I tell them is there are other people out there. Hello, we found each other. Great. Okay. And that um, we welcome them on to the conference calls. Um, we tell them, you know, kind of what we're doing here in Chicago, in Illinois. We're definitely trying to close the Mark 1s. We're following a lot of the issues with the other nuclear power plants. We're raising uh, the issue of subsidies and um, nuclear waste issues with our U.S. reps and senators and also the governor and um, the Illinois EPA. We raise all those issues. We, I kind of walk them through what we do, and I uh, figure out what, they're, what sorts of things they want to do. And we get on these conference calls and we try to support each other as so, much as we possibly can. So for the conference calls, do you have a specific topic? Do you interview someone? Um, what, it, what is the premise behind them? Right. It's really, uh, it's really, we really are trying to build in, into a coalition call. So we'll have a loose agenda, but we're really, we want people to add on to it. And we want to hear about each other's events, for sure. We want to be able to broadcast each other's events on all of our different smaller websites and in our own, uh, in our groups. We want to, we want to set up uh, a nuclear kind of rapid reaction network. Uh, about a year ago, Byron um, had a uh, a small release of tritium. It wasn't so small. It was actually a small cloud of tritium. And we realized that we didn't really have anybody to call there to get an on-the-ground report about what was going on. And so that was one reason that we definitely wanted to find people around the Byron plant to bring onto the conference call. And were you able to? <laughs> Yes, a couple. 
they it's a it's a rural community, so they're kind of um, they're a little like you know you're not from around here sort of thing, right? <laughs> but they're friendly. They're very friendly. But um, so we have we've at least we've made contact and they've come on semi regularly. And we're trying to encourage, you know, we get on these phone calls and we really are there to encourage each other to stand up and assist each other with the education and the contacts that they need and then to eventually set up this kind of uh, nuclear rapid response uh, network in Illinois. And that's what I really feel like activists really need the most is encouragement and uh, mutual education and mutual support. Because if you're a small group, you know, some of these groups around some of these uh, rural plants are, you know, five, six people. And so you really you really start to feel pretty isolated. And so to know that there are other people in Illinois, to kind of bounce ideas off of each other, uh, the nuclear issue is a highly technical issue. And it's the very few people can really absorb all the technical knowledge that uh, some of the old-timers have about these nuclear power plants. So to slowly educate each other on those issues, not to overwhelm, but to slowly educate each other, and then um, absolutely to set up a rapid response, right, so that if we hear that something's going on at Byron, we know who to call in the neighborhood and and we encourage them to set up their own networks in their neighborhoods so that we could get information out. Uh, there was very important information that uh, the NRC had reported after that little poof of uh, tritium gas went up that, oh, don't worry, it's nothing, we're monitoring the situation. That's what and they say every time. I mean, they, they, right. they lie. Anything that comes out of their mouths is a lie. That's exactly right. And then we found out that uh, the monitors that were around Byron didn't even monitor for tritium. So one of the things that we're hoping to do with this eventually is actually be able to get a word out to the neighborhoods around these nuclear power plants. Hey, shut your windows. Go, do not go outside. Keep your children inside. Okay, hold on. Here's here's a thought for you. Yeah. Are you aware of the fact that there is a there is citizen run monitoring of nuclear power plants taking place all over the country? Yes. That and have you explored that at all for the people who are in your network. Right. We are moving in that direction. Let's say we're moving in that direction. We definitely, uh, a couple of us have Geiger counters. And, um, but we, we do not, we want to actually get people around the nuclear power plants who are there because we don't have the capabilities of hopping in a car and running out and monitoring those uh, plants. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to gather. So that's that's in the works, and that's what, you know, one of the issues that we bring up with people. If you haven't yet done so, I suggest that you uh, talk with uh, Gene Rose of Residents Organized for Safe Environment. He was one of the speakers at Cannes in mm-hmm. D.C. because he has been very involved with getting monitoring set up all around San Onofre and actually has a deal with one of the um, uh, one of the manufacturers of radiation monitors to provide them at a reduced cost for anyone around a nuclear reactor who is doing this as part of citizen monitoring. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. And, and what was his organization again? Residents Organized for a Safe Environment. It's referred to as Rose. We will include that link up on the website. I'll send it to you, but we'll put it up on uh, the website in conjunction with this recording. Great. You know, if... 
That's what we um uh, a lot of uh, a lot of these local activists they just don't like the feel of the nuclear power plant and we've really um there's a uh, le- there's a serious learning curve that you have to have uh around the nuclear issue and so you know many of them were at very very early stages some of them some of them a few here and there are you know far more technologically savvy and so uh you know we look for them for to them for leadership and um so it's a it's an education process and we're definitely not done in 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 Illinois we are definitely trying to grow this network and get uh activists at least a small group of activists around each plant we are really serious about that and then we're also growing our activist network here in Illinois and we're connecting with um other environmental groups that have not been traditionally on the nuclear issue and probably don't want to follow it so uh, heavy. But after Fukushima, many of the environmental groups were like, what's going on with Fukushima? <laughs> it was a renewed interest in nuclear power, right, or nuclear issues. And so uh, we're strengthening those ties as well. So well, this, okay. uh, bas- basically Nuclear Free Illinois is uh, we're setting up a communication network. That's what we're doing. Which is so important because it's these grassroots efforts to build local groups and support them in whatever way is necessary to build their awareness. The little groups become larger groups. They aggregate. We get statewide networks, and then the statewide networks plug in with each other, and suddenly we have a response network that can work for the entire country when issues come up and we feel that there is a response needed. Everybody's in place, and we can get the information out quickly. You're right. That's exactly. That's the, that is the goal. We are not there yet, but we are working towards it. Wonderful. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about where you see the group going and uh, how we, who are listening to this and hear you talking about it, might be able to support you? Well, if you're in Illinois, definitely go to Facebook.com and look up Nuclear Free Illinois and uh, like us and uh, send us an email and we'll get a hold of you. And... Um, we have joined since uh we went to the coalition against nukes uh washington event i know that's where i met you yeah exactly and so since then we uh, definitely have decided to stay in touch with uh, the the other groups around the country a little bit better so we uh, have decided to join on the old uh close the old nukes conference call that the sierra club activist network has uh put together and that's on Tuesday and so and we usually have our conference calls every other Tuesday so we're going to make it an evening of nuclear issues and join that uh that country that's a United States wide conference call the Sierra Club Activist Network conference call and then immediately come off of it to the Nuclear Free conference call and talk about the Illinois issues and so that's going to be a really nice um segue into uh, continuing our connection to the nationwide uh, groups. How we can help each other is uh, certainly, uh, certainly. I think the better connected we are, if there is an actual accident in the United States, we are going to need this. There was no question there was a, uh, a kind of a, a void after Fukushima, and people stepped up. People definitely stepped up. Individual activists stepped up and started monitoring for radiation fallout. But we we saw the void initially. Like, where are we going to get this data, right? And there were holes in it and gaps in it. So we would definitely like to have a nationwide, we'd like to be part of that nationwide monitoring uh, system. 
And also, I think regionally, like you asked me about the Great Lakes, the Great Lakes are in uh, severe jeopardy. We have uh, nuclear power plants surrounding the Great Lakes. This is the drinking water for millions of people. So we would like to work uh, cooperatively with the other states in the Great Lake region um, in closing down these nuclear power plants. I think we should get to a prioritized list where we uh, pick them and we we all work together to close them one by one because we need that kind of mass support to do that. The nuclear industry is a very strong political entity in the United States. Uh, you know, Obama, even though Fukushima happened, you know, Obama's still pro-nuclear. He's totally pro-nuclear. So, totally. you know, don't, don't get me started on him because I'm voting for Jill Stein. I'll put it mm-hmm. right out there. Me too. Me too. I, I didn't vote for uh, Barack, and I actually know Barack, so personally, and I didn't vote for him the first time. I did vote for him for senator, mm-hmm. but then I didn't vote for him because then, uh, you know, he and I had issues. Okay. <laughs> well, well let, let's, let's just wind this up. Tell us, if you would, one more time, uh, do you have a website or is it just the Facebook page? Yeah, just the Facebook, and it's uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash Nuclear Free Illinois. And uh, the the website that we all work off, off of is neis.org. That's our sister organization. It's Nuclear Energy Information Service. That's an excellent website. We just had no need to duplicate it. It's got an enormous amount of information about Illinois on it. So we just needed a communication network, and so that's Nuclear Free Illinois. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Laura, thank you so much for being on Nuclear Hot Seat today. You got it. Thank you very much for asking me to come. Dr. Laura Chamberlain is founder of Nuclear Free Illinois, and she works in concert with the Nuclear Energy Information Service, NEIS.org. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, we're done. <laughs> okay, excellent. Okay. Well, you know, there, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of editing. Just so that you're aware, I'll do my best to take it out where I can. Uh huh. But you started every sentence. After I finished talking, you came right brought up against me and said, right. You started almost every sentence with the word right. Is that incorrect? It's just, it's a verbal tick. We all have them. We all have little phrases and little things we fall back on to hold the space. Oh, you don't think I was answering your question? No, 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 you were answering it, but you always started out with the word right. Oh, okay. So, like, oh, right. I'm just. Uh, I'm, this right. is this is hoping to be constructive feedback. That the next time you give no an idea. interview, no, just uh, be aware. Okay. Leave a little beat after the question gets asked, and then answer it without going into the word. Okay. 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 Uh, this is one of the things that that I that I do quite frequently with the people here in um, both the people with Canada. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's absolutely no way I can remember that. <laughs> There's no way I can remember well, that. Well, I have, I have to get back to this because I have to edit okay, that. I have to record the rest of my podcast, edit the okay, whole great. thing together, and, and get it done by tomorrow morning. Okay, great. Excellent. Sorry about that. Hopefully it's uh, it, easy no, to edit it, it, No, no, no. It, it, trust me. I've had, uh, there are some people where it's kind of like Christopher Nolan who made the, the film uh, Surviving Surviving Fukushima 311. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had a harder edit job than him. It was kind <laughs> of like... Uh, this guy was impossible, and he knew it. He knew it. And finally, I just got sick of the whole thing, and I went, you can have your uhs and your ums. I'm not taking them out. <laughs> <laughs> I the have ones never heard right. my say, myself say right, so that's a very, very big news to me. Okay, great. You have a great night. Thank you so much. It will be a busy one, but uh, this is why I do it. Take no, care, Laura. Thanks for bearing me out. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.